Listen up, nerds. We're doing pen and paper stuff. The Paladins of Podcast are back. Are back. And rolling the dice on new content, upgrades to nothing, and a few missing pages from the rule books. Introducing Joshua Johnson, the man behind. Wait, where did those notes go? Follow Rob and Josh as they navigate the outer planes and anywhere in between on the Epic Table Games Audio Show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Epic Table Games Audio Show with your paladins of podcast, Rob and Josh. Josh? What's up, Rob? I, uh, I've had an interesting week, as always. Um, I actually did my first gunpla just last night. That was... When you read the manuals, they are nightmarish, and you feel like you can't do them because it's my first one ever, but after getting started, I actually did not stop working on it for three hours straight. It Three hours just blew by, and I was super shocked by it, but it was super fun. I got about halfway done with it. Well, your interesting week seems better than my interesting week. <laughs> yeah, but that's because you're trying to figure out a house situation. That's always a nightmare. Yeah, but I'm not even talking about that. I've hit like 12 birds this week. What the heck? What did the birds do to you? I don't know. They just I noticed that they'll fly in front of my car, and then all of a sudden I hear, Doom, and they're gone. No. <laughs> like, oh. I, I hate killing animals by any measure. Like, I don't do it intentionally. In per- I don't do it on purpose intentionally. I don't like to do it accidentally. So I do not know what it is up with these suicidal you know birds. But. You know what, Rob? That's a really good bar to clear. I like that. Don't be into killing animals. I really dig that. You know what, listeners? I would like you to take that as a message. Don't kill animals. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. Don't kill animals. Not so, cool. So in your next campaign, make sure there's no mythical beasts, no. magical monsters, or anything along no. that nature. Wait, I'm sorry. Stick to the undead, guys. That's Josh's theory. No, take it back. <laughs> oh gosh, campaigns of only undead. Ugh, I'm sorry, that gets boring to me. <clears throat> I've done it. It gets hard, and then eventually your characters die, and they come up with something that is just there to defeat the undead. Yeah. You also have to have like really good descriptions too, because if you just describe a mixture of zombies and skeletons and their variants that gets dry especially for me because there are just days where i don't get into the descriptions mm-hmm. and then for the players that can drag and i don't realize it well have you ever watched um the walking dead mm-hmm. how far have you gotten into it i have watched the first season and then after that i watched a bunch of clips perfect so the first season was really strong yeah I've watched a bunch of clips, and I've seen a few episodes here and there, but every new episode that I've seen after the first season has been pretty much the same. Yeah. Cut, dry, rinse, repeat, same formula, same pattern. Apparently, hordes of undead follow that same exact pattern nonstop. Why not just repeat the same phrase? Also, skeletons. I, I'm one of those people who like looks up a lot of reviews of stuff. It's how I create like the mindset for engagement and debate. Um, from what I'm familiar with, from the mixture of clips and reviews, it just seems like honestly the show isn't that good after the first season. Like I heard season two is like there's like barely any zombie content, which people were way into with the first season because I watched the first season. It was good. There yeah. was a lot of content with that. Yeah. But then I heard it just keeps it, it either falls apart or it pulls back a bit, but it never gets back to that really good first season. See, I, I've heard a lot of that too, and <clears throat> I know we're not a Walking Dead podcast, but. Uh, I hear it picks up with the character of Negan, mm-hmm. which which is cool, and I, I thought about trying to get into it. Um, talking about TV shows, I have not gotten into Stranger Things. 
I have not. I haven't given it a chance. It's been interesting. It's been on my radar. I just don't sit down to watch a lot of TV. Mm-hmm. But I heard there's a lot of interesting shit going on with Stranger Things, especially with bringing in the idea of Vecna, who is a god in D and D. Yeah. Now I like this idea, and I've seen a lot of questions and topics popping up about questions like, how would you stat Vecna? How would you go about killing the god? And what I've noticed, and you might not be familiar with this, is that. Um, Traditionally, gods shouldn't have stats. I agree. Yep. But in earlier editions, <laughs> gods and pantheons statted out gods. Yeah, you're right. And see, the the idea was, at least the way I'm familiar with it, Gary Gygax did not truly want you to fight those things. No. It, it was more of something from community being pushed towards it. Um, because like the same thing has happened in 5th edition, and it is so cringy to me. When, like, someone's like, oh, yeah, in my D&D game, we fought a god, and we and, and that god died, and then it was reborn, and so we've technically created, like, a new god. I go, okay, like, what level did you guys fight it at? Oh, we're 10th level right now. See, that, <laughs> that, that's where the rub gets me. At 10th level, I mean, it seems a little underdeveloped, uh, yeah. to say the least. Yeah. And but uh, <laughs> I love the idea of killing gods, and I say that because of... Um, Looking at old school lore and mythology, generally gods walked among yes. the men. You know, and we look at I'll use God of War for an example, the video game with Kratos. Oh, yes. I mean, truthfully, in that uh, Greek setting, the gods were not only real, but they were palpable. They were likable. They were individualistic. They were hateable. They had a whole range of emotions that you could tie to them, and he was driven for a purpose. To go after them. And he was given the tools to do so. I right. think that's what helps cross the barrier. Right. And when we look at it, I mean, when you start in the initial game, God of War 1, I mean, it's just him working his way up to Zeus throughout the first three games. And again, wash, rinse, repeat as we go into the North mm-hmm. mythology um, as he's still the ghost of Sparta. But I like the idea in the... Um, I guess methodology when you look at high-level characters going to kill gods. I mean, it also falls back to older versions of D&D where 10th-level spells were a thing. Yeah. I mean, people are like, no, you max out at 9th. I'm like, 10th-level spells were a thing. Up to, in, in D&D history, there has been up to 13th-level, and they've, in lore, made it so that later editions, according to the game's lore, you are not allowed to cast above 9th-level because of the goddess Mystra. Unless... There's a big caveat here, and you have to kind of go way obscure to find it Mm -hmm. uh, because they don't like the idea. But to cast higher spells, you actually have to do it collectively. Yeah, it's like you need at least three extremely powerful casters all casting like wish spells at at full ninth level. It's like by by layering those, you can mimic the effects of the higher level spells. Yeah, and that's essentially what you're doing is you're creating a stronger bound weave for that magic. And it's funny because I've seen somebody posting a Facebook group and they wanted to run a desert setting uh, very similar to Dark Sun where it was super dry, super hot, super endure the elements and they wanted to be like, how do I turn something like create water from a zero level spell into like a 10th level spell? I'm like, A, everybody is <laughs> replying like 10th level spells don't exist or why would you turn something that high? And I'm like, my first thought was, are you talking about creating a zero level spell with the power 
of a 10th level spell. Yeah, because that's different. It is different, and that's how I read it. That's not how everybody was answering the question. And it made sense, because in his setting, where he wanted to be very hot and dry and crucial, I mean, like, being out in the sun for minutes could really bake you and hours could kill you, um, he had underground survival of people, but water's still limited in the desert. Yeah. So that 10th level spell, I'm like, well, hey, I mean, create water is fine, but it's not going to exactly subdue an entire civilization you have to create a lot of water yeah uh so that's what that's where i'm god i know this started off with stranger things we had other things we wanted to talk about though well the thing i wanted to talk about today i was asked a question the other day at work by someone who's never played D before and only ever vaguely heard of it they asked how do you win at D? that's the topic i'd like to talk about for the moment the, yes, for me yes, this please. this can be an easy and short topic the way you win at D&D is having a good time with your friends. It's short, dry, simple, and to the point. Now, you can redefine what having fun means many different ways, but the fact is, is if you have a table full of people and you're all having a good time, I think you've won, like, very fully. So, I've been accused of trying to win D&D in no, multiple No, not again. <laughs> Rob, please stop it. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Excuse me. So, um, if none of my party is left standing, I am the victor. There no, can only be one. No, um, I, I like to play um, semi-utilitarian characters every now and then. Um, not the guy who is um, master of a million different things. Just the guy where essentially fireball, my one-trick pony, will suffice in nearly every situation. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you're, you're playing a successful character is what I'll call it. They're success- because of what yeah. they're good at, they are successful. Highly successful. Yeah. Um, so I like to be highly successful. And I'm usually accused of trying to win D&D. Uh, and I don't like to win D&D. I just don't like to die and lose. So I make sure I make characters that don't do that. that that's uh, See, you don't encounter players like that a whole lot because they don't survive the, the table process. And by the table process, I mean they all get banished to the Shadow Realm, as I'll call it. That's so unfortunate, too, <laughs> because you miss out on some really good players that way. Yeah, I really miss out on those players who are like, I'm actually going to kill your character if I don't get that fictional money all to myself. Okay, so, yeah, you do have some... <laughs> it, it, we've talked about it before, actually. Um, when you ban characters... Excuse me, ban players to the Shadow Realm so quickly you sometimes lose the development of a certain player to become a really good player. I, I actually don't disagree with you. So not not giving them the opportunity and time to develop can sometimes shorten the length of uh, their stay in the hobby. But to answer your, you said coworker, right? Yeah. To answer your coworker's question, how do you win at D and D? And you believe that a a good table experience is a great way to win at D and D. I think that a it's a fantastic answer. I think it's true. It's really the biggest thing if you're sitting down and having a good time you're really winning at D&D um I think that the only real caveat to that and answer is that you also have to enjoy the failure I I actually totally agree with that um right now without going into too much detail my current campaign my players did something I'm not gonna say they weren't supposed to do basically I filled a room with a bunch of kind of weaker demons the idea was, is that you're supposed to subvert by either stealthing through the demons, which are currently, like, distracted by a piece of terrain that's in the room. Sure. And so, the uh, to get the really nice artifact, essentially a player has to dramatically risk their character's life. Mm-hmm. This is not just, like, a single die roll. This is, like, 
also a mild puzzle because you have to understand that if you destroy the tapestry in the front of the door, all of those demons are no longer subdued. So it goes from being possible and dangerous to almost impossible if you destroy the tapestry, which is a mixture of sewn together faces that are moaning nonstop. Nice. Uh, so what they did is one of the players used an ASMR ability that lets them radiate light, Scourge ASMR. It actually was burning the tapestry, and I was trying to relay that to them because they didn't fully understand the point of the tapestry, but I didn't destroy it immediately. I gave them a shot. Mm -hmm. And then, for some reason, my player's like, my radiant consumption, it's an AoE nonstop, and I'm going to run into that room of demons, and I'm going to burn them all to nothing. And just to be clear, it like does tickle damage almost. <laughs> um, so yeah. He ran into the room... And uh, he did not die, but oh boy, did him and one of the other players burn through almost all of their spell slots trying to destroy the Room of Demons. Mm -hmm. They ended up getting the treasure at the end, which is a cool magic item, but at that point, they realized that they burned through so much, and one of the players who's inexperienced went, yeah, let's long rest. And I'm like, yes, in a demon lair, let's mm -hmm. long rest, let's do that. So now they've accepted that they have to try and escape the lair. They actually have to abandon the quest because they made a poor decision. Yep. Now, they have to live with that decision. And I just have to be careful with how I handle it. Because if I am, like, if I try to put down the players at all about it, even accidentally, that will be very disheartening for the players. So failure is not a true loss. Failure is just a concept. It only doesn't work if you, if you're, if you don't handle it well. Right. Right, I agree. And it's funny because as you're talking about this particular room, half puzzle, half trap, um, makes me think of my Halloween dungeon. Mm. And this, this is funny. It's similar in similar veins, but it makes me want to talk about traps and some of the dungeon things that I've done. For example, I run the same Halloween dungeon almost every year. Every player I've played with has always been through it at least once, some of them two or three times. Mm. And so the first thing that they got the very first time was a map. They were given a map of the dungeon. Like, hey, this is the dungeon. This is what we're working with. What? Really? Really. Okay. Now, the map was blank. It just showed the rooms. Mm -hmm. So the players wrote down the information on the map. Yeah. So guess what happened next year when they got the map? What? They got the map with the notes. So guess what happened when the next party, who didn't have the original party and got a map, they got the map with the notes. You're like, oh Jesus, now it's not, it's like not even fun now, right? So this is the funny part mm -hmm. about the dungeon. Dungeon doesn't change. It's the same layout, the same traps, same everything. Okay. <laughs> the notes, when you shorthand for yourself, you know what they mean at the time. Oh wait my god, a, it's a game a of year. telephone, no. Wait a year and those notes are different. It's a living game of telephone. <laughs> you pass those notes on to somebody else who rewrites and changes the notes, and that's no. different. Now let me tell you about some of the traps, because the thing that oh got me thinking gosh. about this was the traps. In my dungeon, I had a, a room full of bear traps. Alright? Yeah. Alright, room full of bear traps. A few reflex saves to get around all the rooms of bear traps to show your dexterity, dexterity check, what have you, what not. Um, so, yeah, simple enough, right? Yeah, and I would write, like, trap, deck save, or something. Right, or bear traps. Yeah, sure. Something simple. That is interesting <laughs> sound. I don't know if they can pick that up. We just went dead quiet because it sounds like somebody's peeing on your AC unit. Yeah, no, it's the AC unit <laughs> above it is, like, 
essentially yeah. letting water out and it's yeah. tapping the top of the other one. That's funny. Uh, so the bear trap room, somebody would just write bear traps. And then the next year, somebody would write something a little different. Now, the idea is you walk through the room full of bear traps and you don't set up a bear trap, no big deal. If you set off the bear traps, <laughs> because bear traps snap violently and there's so many of them, think of them like mouse traps. Yeah. They bounce all over the place. It hits a pressure plate on the floor and it drops a bear from the trap door in the ceiling. Mm-hmm. So the traps, the bear traps, weren't for the players. They were for the bear. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? Oh my god, that's so crazy. I love that. Oh my god. That's a really well put together idea. And I'm sorry, just the, the telephone concept of the map is hilarious. I love that. I got a few more here that you're going to love. So there's a room that they would walk in and then they would see in the middle of the room a six foot staff, essentially, mm-hmm. on a lever, right? Yeah. What do you do? You, you go and you check out the lever and you might want to pull it. Maybe look around a little bit just in case. All right. You pull the lever. Yeah. The door on the other end of the room opens up. Yep. The lever breaks off in your hand and it's what? effectively a six <laughs> foot long staff. But from above you, a 10-foot ring of rocks falls. What the fuck? So, okay. you know, you make a reflex save, so you only take some damage from falling rocks. Yeah. Cool. Not a big deal. You take a little bit of damage. You go into the next room. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, you get a six-foot staff out of this, right? Yeah. Cool. All right. <clears throat> next room. Same exact setup. In the middle of the room, there's a single lever. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you do? I, of course, as a player, would be overly paranoid about the rocks. So what do you so do? So all the players I would have stand at maybe the opposite end of the room or something, and then I'd be like, get ready, guys, and I would probably pull that lever, too, and okay. then try to book it. Okay, so you pull the lever. If you pull it by hand, you're fine. Most people take the staff and they push the lever. That's tempting. I did think of it, but I'm just like, maybe get through it. That's what most people do, and in the notes... My pre-game notes. Yeah. Instead of a instead of a circle of rocks, it's a ten-foot ring. Oh my so, god! So now that you're farther away, it intentionally drops them farther away. But also in the same vein, like the way I say, like, oh, I pull the lever and I just start sprinting. The ten-foot could still hit me. Right. It's so dumb. Right. But if, nah. if you just walk up and pull the lever, they're gonna drop around you, and you're fine. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so trippy. I that is hilarious. I, I almost can't say downsides because that's so funny. Um, the only downside I could imagine is like maybe you need to show off to the players because there are players who are like very negative and skeptical. So maybe be like, nah, and you just show in your note. I have. <laughs> yeah. I have. See, you, you'd have to do it because like, you know, there's always the one player who's like, that's dumb. I'm yeah. smarter than this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh uh, my gosh. That's so good. So same dungeon, by the way. <laughs> Arcane Lock. Mm-hmm. Right? Command word undoes the lock. Yeah. Okay. Anybody can say the command word. Yep. Not a big deal. Chest with swarms of rats. Arcane locked with the word rats on it. Not warning rats, just rats. So people go, oh, it says rats. Unlocked oh. swarm of rats. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Oh my god, that's amazing. Dude, okay, I struggle with, with like traps. I have to get them from other sources. That's a, Those are amazing, Rob. Did you come up with those? A lot of them. Okay. A lot of them. Oh my gosh, that dungeon sounds so fun because so far none of those traps are like, yeah, I kill you and I take your stuff. They're all like, 
Nah, and they like kick you in the shit, and you're like, ah, fuck you. Like, it's like a dude runs in the room, kicks you, and runs out. <laughs> you're right. a dick. Got a, got another one. All right, you enter a corridor, mm-hmm. ten foot by ten foot. Mm-hmm. At the end of the corridor, you see a shimmering yellow mass. Okay. Takes up the entire room. Ugh. It's not moving. It looks like there are dissolved bits with inside of it. Okay, so I'm already my brain's already going towards like it's some sort of like gelatinous cube of some kind, maybe. Right. But there's a very, very expensive looking ruby right in the middle of it. Mm. And obviously I want that ruby. Or at least it's tempting. Um, I imagine that I'd probably have someone throw something ranged at it. Because I'm not going to, like, reach in there. I would possibly try to, if I had to, I would get up close and maybe stick something in there to try and dig it out without going into the mass. There, uh, I would try to go for it. Mm. It's just like a single corridor. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's a path that leads somewhere else, but you want the ruby, something like that. Well, shit. Yeah, I would. I would definitely try to find ways. So I'd start, as I said, I'd start with the range, trying to hit the mass to see if anything happens. And if nothing like reactive happened, I would go up and I would probably actually use that pole and I'd probably try to dig it out. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. As you get closer, you notice that it smells of hint of lemon and lime. It sounds delicious. If you were to taste it, it would just taste like Jello. Uh huh. That's all. What? Just jello. It's just jello? Are you... Just s- no. jello. But people know what gelatinous cubes no. are. So everybody is so geared to just kick the door in and kill it. Right? Oh my god. So what happens later when you're going through and you find a trap and you're like, there's a ball. Like it looks like a huge glass Christmas ornament, right? Full okay. Of what appears to be water, right? Okay. <clears throat> and there are some fancy looking gold coins in the bottom, like piles of it. I mean, if you were to estimate, maybe a few hundred gold pieces. With some water-like material in that? Yeah. I'd be skeptical of what that material was. But gold coins in the bottom? Ah, that one I'd probably avoid because that sounds like too much danger. I would try to identify escape routes. Um, honestly, I probably wouldn't even touch that one. But let's imagine for the sake of it that, like, I'm like, I really want that stuff inside. I'm not sure what to do about it. Yeah, I don't even know how I'd approach other than trying to crack it from sides and trying to enter it somehow. Absolutely fair. The best option is to leave it alone because this one is a gelatinous cube. Oh my god, you're <laughs> such an animal. Because the de- you're de- oh you oh my gosh, I just I can't tell what's worse: the second one being a gelatinous cube or the first one just being Jello and making me hate it. All right. All right. Oh my god. How about this really simple, really simple trap? Mm-hmm. All right. You get to a doorway and there's no lever on the door. You can tell that there's a doorway there. Yeah. There's no handle, nor doorway, no switch, no anything. Yeah. On a passive perception check, on a decent perception check, it's easy enough to see that there's a brick missing from the right of the door. But okay. there's a magical form of darkness preventing you from seeing inside. Okay. It seems like it's decent enough But there's size. like a square where a brick goes. Yes. Okay. So I just go and I look for a brick. I go and try and see if it, there's one around. I look around for a bit. If I can't find it, maybe one of the players or me will be goofy and use, like, mold earth to make a brick that would fit in there, I guess. And then we'd put the brick in and try to push the door open? Nope, it wouldn't work. Okay, so 
let's say we go through the process and let's say we don't end up finding the brick and at this point we're like essentially wailing on the door because that's what everything ultimately leads to players start just physically assaulting the objects they want to get past sometimes what what does this what does the situation turn into truthfully you just have to stick your hand in the darkness which most people are like, i would hate that the yeah. fear of the unknown absolutely yep but the switch is just there see that that that's totally fine once again mm-hmm. like oh well yeah if i stuck the fake brick in would that possibly hit the switch no Okay. So you have to actually just like stick your arm in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So see, that's like it's another fine trap because you you're not actually punishing the players, and technically you're not wasting their time. There are some traps that are really gross and waste time. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Another classic exa- of example of a really fun one that I don't remember who made it up, but it appears all the time on Reddit. It's basically there's a single button in the room. And the and you hold and as you hold the button, ba- or it's I don't even know if it's if you hold the button. I think you just hit the button and basically like a countdown starts. And after the countdown starts, you hit the you like turn the button back off, and then players try to figure out what to do and they hit the button again and basically the room starts exuding more and more like visual audio stuff to like imply danger and death mm-hmm. as you get closer. And when it hits zero. That the other door just opens. That's it, and it, it's like a very horrendous thing to do, mm-hmm. but it is hilarious. It is, and that's so. The reason that I like these traps is because I hate traps that are designed just to kill you. I like things that yeah. are that are designed to either impede, slow, or have fun. And monsters are always deadly traps. I'm like, oh, we can get away with some fun traps. Mm-hmm. So in this dungeon, for example, the first trap you encounter is actually you don't even realize it's a trap. Yeah. Um. So greater gaias. Geese, however people pronounce it. Geese. Yeah. You say geese? There's geese? Whatever. Um, <clears throat> one of the things is is that it, a trap can be set up with a mental effect. You fail a will save, which is not... You, bam, you're under the influence. Okay. And truthfully, that's the very, very first trap that they go through. And it's generally something like, hey, go back to the start of the dungeon, which it's the one room before. Like, it's, okay, go back out to the other room and uh, get the most expensive-looking platter or fork or whatever and uh, bring it with you. You really need that. <laughs> so <laughs> now I have to carry something stupid and keep track of it through the stupid dungeon. See, I like that because you can be goofy and be like, yeah, yeah, no, you have to carry that with you. Like, you have to have it in your hand. So if, like, if a paladin, a paladin like of the podcast, were to grab such an mm-hmm. item... Now they can't have either their sword or their shield because they have to carry a stupid plate with them. Right. See, right. that's fun. I like that. <coughs> Me, when I make traps, I try to avoid certain pitfalls of the issue. Uh, what I do is I put in a couple of layers. One, there's the several ways you could kind of try to figure out the puzzle without losing anything. Because mm-hmm. to me, it's very unreasonable if you just make a trap just hurt someone. That's dumb. Uh Two, and on failure, they would receive some sort of setback. Like you said, slow down, pain, mm-hmm. something that depletes the resources a bit. On like ultimate failure, where they can't really pass the trap and it's really harming them, they would take a large amount of damage. Uh, but ultimately, the goal is for them to pass the trap. If you are, if you're going to put a trap in your player's way, don't do it in such a way that like they can't pass it within like 10, 15 minutes. You don't want to waste half the session on a, on a puzzle. That's true. That's true. And I have been in situations where I've wasted um, a it, plenty of time. It's always an accident. It. It's never on purpose. Right. Yeah. And I'll explain that trap. I think I've explained it once before. Um, what, what I like, I know we weren't initially going to talk about traps, but it's fun now because 
Um, traps are something that are, I believe are completely underutilized in games. We generally think of games as fight monsters, save the girl, get the treasure, repeat, go on missions. Yeah. Um, traps, or the, or the traps are generally, you know, everybody's like, I check for traps. Well, sure. I mean, yeah, it's trapped. You're going to, something's going to blow up or something's going to spring out and poison you or blah, 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 blah. Um, <clears throat> pretty standard. So I like things for traps that are not standard. I also like building upon my traps to, a, like, it's, a, it's purpose. I use the rat one, for example. Mm -hmm. In the dungeon, the next room has a sculpture of a dragon in front of an altar, and it looks like it's been singed. All right. Mm -hmm. It implies it's been blasted with fire or something. Yeah. Truthfully, if you take some of the rats from the rat swarm, mm -hmm. if you put it in the dish, like you're feeding the dragon as if it were a dog, mm -hmm. you know, boom that puzzle portion is solved. Yeah. It opens up and you get your treasure, which is usually a very weighty golden dragon egg, by the way. That's cool. Um, so it's worth their time to do it right. Mm. <clears throat> I have had traps that are deadly. And when I do deadly, I don't mean like, yeah, it might kill you. I'm like, yeah, it's going to kill you. Yeah. yeah. I know that <laughs> like, oh, it's a bad trope to put a kill trap in your dungeon. Okay. There's so many ways to be reasonable about it. You can put things like dead bodies around, imply the level of damage or death that can occur from such a trap. If they're going to like a tomb, you can imply from the person sending them on the quest, avoid the ancient death curse. Like, yeah. just don't put a, tr yeah, sure. Don't be like, yeah, the roof falls in and you die. Don't, that's like the dumb way to do it. See, the one, the one trap I remember that's generally incredibly deadly and I've modified a few times is Party marching order, generally, you know, they'll walk, depending on how large a hallway is, two by two, one by one, etc. It's not mm -hmm. generally horrible. They don't roll four to five deep. Like, they're not they're not in a horizontal line. Oh, yeah. They're in a vertical <laughs> line. Yeah. Um, so, I'll usually have something like a 30-foot hallway. Mm -hmm. um, and in that 30-foot hallway, we look at five-foot squares. I'll use four people, so that's 20 feet. Yeah. It gives you... An additional five feet per side. Okay. In the middle of the hallway is the trap release for the whole hallway to drop out from underneath of you. Mm -hmm. So there's no possible reflex save. Everybody's getting fucked. Okay. They generally fall into a pit of water. Yeah, it, it, so it slows them down. It's not, it's not like a kill one. Sure. It depends on what happens here now. Magic casters will fly and will go up or mm -hmm. do something. I'll try. Walls are generally pretty slick from moisture or it's too smooth to really do anything. So they got to kind of find a way out and solution, which generally results in some sort of lever or trap door that all the water just goes farther down mm -hmm. and farther down. Oh, I need to bring this up. This go is perfect. Uh, this is a great <laughs> example of like things that DMs will do wrong when making these. Rob, you just said something perfect. Okay. You just mentioned the walls are slick. That means you can't really climb them. Okay, if a player goes, hey, can I try to acrobatics up or climb the walls? Do not be like, yeah, sure, I'll let you try, and then just set a DC of 30 or 35. That's the same thing as basically saying no. Oh, but there's the chance. Okay, what's the difference between you telling them no or telling them yes, and they have to roll 10 times? Mm -hmm. Like, the, like that's so unsatisfying. I, I agree, and we'll use this example of slick walls. It's easier to say no, like the walls are slick. You're not really going to be able to do it. Yeah. Um, it's essentially try to climb up a sheet of ice covered in lubricant. Exactly. I mean, like, 
Just Jackie it, Chan's not getting up there. Why do you think you're doing it? Yes, Rob. Thank you for being willing to say no. You cannot just skill check your way out of the situation. Right. Like, that is okay. Please do that. Don't do weird, goofy. Well, I definitely need to say yes somehow. That's that's not a time where you do that. No. No. Yeah. I, I think for this for not this example but for what we're talking about here. I think that there are certain times where you can say that there are impossible DCs if you need to sort of force something to happen. Again, you're railroading your players. Oh, no. But... It's reasonable. Oh, gosh. And this, this is where I get rubbed wrong a little bit because I've got no problem forcing my players into situations for the story narrative. See, now that... Because you've usually said that, and I am usually willing to like put in a comment to say, oh, Rob, I don't like that. See, this is the exact context where you are right. And people need to realize that railroading is not always bad. This is a form of that. In reality, what you've railroaded them into is engaging with the game. I can agree. And I think that's why I'm okay with it. Because I don't like it when people say along the lines of, I don't want to railroad my players, but I want this to happen when they do this 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 and this and this yeah I'm like well that's too many that's too many things to set up yeah you know if you have to set up that much shit then your players obviously aren't digging whatever you got going on yeah and they like the game enough that they want to play but they like the story you're telling yeah not the story you yes. wanted to tell um like modify not every dungeon <laughs> needs to be like some weird sandbox and like the, as i said a strange platitude that dms do not need to chase please find the reasonable line between Telling an engaging story uh, with your players versus, oh yeah, it's it's Minecraft. If you take a pick and you spend five years, you can dig through the walls. Mm-hmm. Like it's not yeah. it's not good. Right, and, <laughs> and and that's just it. And it's it's so infuriating at times. I don't even play in a lot of these people's games, but to hear them ask for certain questionable advice or how to do certain things, I'm glad I'm not in their games. Yeah. Um, I've been in plenty of games, participated in games, and seen plenty of games. Um, there are always very strange, like, inappropriate questions. Uh, for me, one of my players was playing a kobold, and she's like, oh, well, in the lore, it says they have a tunneling speed. Like, they can tunnel. It's not a literal stat. It just says that. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, well, I'm going to tunnel a trap in the ground. I went, okay, like, you're going to dig with your kobold hands? Kobolds use tools, mm-hmm. or they make tools. They don't literally like right. shovel with their hands and do it in 10 seconds yeah they're not dogs they just spend all day doing it you know how us humans go to work for eight hours <laughs> that's what they kobolds do. work for 16 hours <laughs> non-stop right right uh, so it's it's a funny paradigm because we look at the shift of i don't want to say necessarily experienced uh players or dms i would actually say storytellers there are mm-hmm. people who are storytellers, and there are people who are story. Let me rephrase that: storytellers and world builders. Yeah, two different things here. I mean, storytellers can generally build a world, but one of them is telling a story. World builders are usually just building out the world. Um, yeah, and I think you have to have a healthy blend of both. But uh, yeah, traps. I, man, I love I love stupid traps. Yeah, as with the comment, because you mentioned earlier that, like, people aren't really putting their traps in D&D. I actually don't think that's on purpose that they don't want to do the traps. I just think that there's not, that it takes a good amount of creativity to create your own traps that aren't just, you know, simple, like, floor spikes, fall into a pit, 
I, I know there's a lot of examples. Well, I just think people struggle at creating what they perceive to be new traps. Well, I mean, honestly, it depends. If you want deadly traps, you look up Grimtooth's traps. I mean, Grimtooth has been around since AD&D. Um, horribly deadly traps. His traps are meant to kill on the first round. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, in fact, start there and start figuring out ways to make them ridiculous. Turn rubber... I'm sorry. Turn spiked door springs into rubber spikes. <laughs> See? That's great. That's what I mean. Like, I, even I struggle with this. Like, I have... Um, I, there's a YouTuber I like, the DM Slayer. He mm-hmm. actually... I actually like a lot of his content. But I'm a, I'm a subscriber of his Patreon, and on his Patreon, you can get Layer Magazine. It is a magazine produced by him and his company, and it's real. the reason I got it is they have tons of traps in it, and the traps are, like, real interesting and good. But see, just hearing you just say that on the spot, that's what I want. That's actual, like, really fun, goofy creativity. I think maybe I need to pull back from the idea of every trap is, like, gonna hurt someone bad, and more lean into, like... The trap is a setback, but just for the players, maybe mentally, not necessarily for them in character. Well, that, and remember, um, if you can find ways to make certain things not just interesting, out in game things interesting for characters and players, but think about ways that you can utilize traps to lay the foundation for other things later. Yeah. So, I mean, we, let's use uh, famous tropes honey and bears, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say one of your traps is, you know, you step on a plate and you just get covered in honey. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're going through a forest and there's no opportunity to really wash off and sticky, <laughs> you're going to pick up leaves, pine cones, everything. You're going to look like a human swamp creature, and that gives the opportunity for threatening anything that does not know you're a human covered in both honey and pine needles. And, you know, now that you're blending with the scenery, bears aren't really going to notice you, but you smell tasty. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) See, that is great advice. I, because the only time I've ever done something like that is very, like, standard. Like, oh, you see the mosaic art on the wall and it, like, foreshadows what what might come later. Mm -hmm. But that's all I've ever done. So that's that's great. I, I need to try that. I think that would work out super fun. Did I tell you about my trap that killed a player that took the entire party four hours to solve? Sure. Or Well, I don't think you've told me, but I'd love to hear it. Okay, so I'm going to, because I don't want to take four hours to describe this. The trap is simple. You walk up. In the room that you're in, there's mm-hmm. a, a black candle. And the black candle, when you say the magic word, sends you to a different plane. Oh, okay. So, and so that candle, in this scenario, was used by the mage, the wizard, Um this particular dungeon that they were going through, mm-hmm. um, full of traps, was actually the wizard's backdoor entrance. So they were going through his security system. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, so they get there with a black candle, and so it's there. It's, he uses it, but when it's not in use, its purpose is to light this area. They approach two doors. When you open one door, it's a hallway. If you open both doors, one's a hallway, one's a wall. Depending on which one you open first will depend on which one's hallway, which one's wall. Okay. So it's an extra dimensional space. <clears throat> you open one and you and you leave one door closed, you actually end up running through and you hit the other door like a big loop. Whoa. So my players would end up constantly flipping doors. Open the left one, keep the right one closed, run in, come out the right one. Close the left one, open the right one, run through, come out the left one. They're like, what the hell are we doing? What's going on? The answer was simple enough open both doors yeah because then you can't like there's a wall you can't literally run through the other door right but they refuse to come up with the 
open both doors solution. They kept trying different variations of when to open the door and <laughs> all this other stuff. But because it's an extra dimensional space and this candle is an extra dimensional pocket space traveling device, which actually opens up an extra dimensional space for you to enter yeah. and walk into. Um, Two extra-dimensional spaces cannot inhabit the same space they at one time. They didn't bring the candle in the hallway, right? One of them did. Oh. And said the word on accident. Yeah. And boom. He didn't die, die, but he was definitely in the uh, the astral plane. Yeah, one, well, one, you're lucky to survive, and two, where you're going, you're not going to be right. happy. Right. Um, but because he wasn't dead, dead, it was like similar to the matrix hazy white everything he could sense life in no direction and he ended up uh meeting we were playing pathfinder so he ended up meeting one of the deities i forgot her name at the time uh, at, at this time uh but it was sort of set up very similar to the dmv where um <clears throat> she was helping every dead soul that was coming through her realm sending them to where they needed to be and he demands he walks up to her demands and threatens her and she's like oh well if that's the way it's gonna go hell and yeah. so that's where he ended up that's a lot <clears throat> no that's great though um yeah i i love the whole pocket dimension spaces intertwining because the, the the most normal one i'm used to is the whole putting a bag of holding into a what is it a portable hole yeah that's like the normal one i usually deal with but i love that i love that the whole candle into the hallway thing that's great it was that was great have you ever used a portable hole in a bag of holding as a bomb <clears throat> i mean that's that that has turned into a lot of stories of like the players doing that as like a desperate measure or like a player like intentionally being like all of you go i'm gonna do this and it's used to defeat like the big bad guy yep now <clears throat> funny thing bag of holding for example uh People seem to forget that you can store people in a bag of holding. Well, I don't know who who you talk to, but that's the that seems to be the only thing I know people who like to do it with. Okay, so I I seem to come across the <laughs> excuse me. I seem to come across the people who are like, oh, you didn't realize you can put a person in a bag of holding. Well, you absolutely can. Yeah, and they're like, oh, they've been in for hours. I'm like, mm, so dead? there's no way to breathe. In a bag of holding. Yeah. Um, also, if you're going to be in there for an extended period of time, you need to have a way to eat, breathe, etc. Yep. Um, so you need a ring of sustenance and you need a way to breathe. Without these things, you're just carrying around dead people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when I point this out to these individuals, they're blown away. I'm like, bro, it's not a mesh bag. <laughs> All right? It's, it's literally an airtight extra dimensional space with no air. I think in 5th edition they <sighs> added that you can breathe in there for like 10 minutes or something. No. But yeah, that's what I mean. It's like Lame. it's like you're just doing that for players who are like I'm a druid, I'll wild shape and carry my other party member in the bag of holding. Lame. Yeah. I Lame. I like the more creative stuff that's like you really didn't think about, but that's a concept where it's like well, people like to do that, so let's let them do it. It's like, well, how about just let them figure it out? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, maybe have someone carry an air tank in there or something. Right. Sure, like, why not right. do that? I like that because air tank makes me think more technology than magic-based. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with having technology in your fantasy setting. I always use gnomes as my technological source. Mm -hmm. um, and their technology is steampunk-ish, where sometimes magic's blended in. But it's generally gears, change, and gear, gears, chains, and sprockets. Mm, so I, see. I, I like that. Um, I know we're running really short on time, so we do need to close it up, don't we? Yeah. Um, we didn't even talk about some of the stuff we wanted to talk about, like normal. But guys, good point. As we talked about traps, remember, take traps that you know, find ways to make them different. Think of things to do that are fun, entertaining, engaging, and they're going to throw off your players. You don't have to kill them. You don't have to maim them. You don't have to dismember them. 
you can just slow them down. Make your players laugh, think about the characters, um, and you should have a good time. That's the Traps episode. Yeah, another one. Actually, I, do, I, I want to keep diving into Traps because I love talking about Traps. Yeah. Also, Paladins are bad against Traps, so I'm not sure how, how you tackled this so well. Truthfully, most players are bad at traps, and I'm the DM. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, check us out on Facebook at Epic Table Games, and always online at EpicTableGames.com. Make way for the paladins. Make way for the paladins. Epic Table Games. Make way for the paladins. Make way for the paladins. Epic Table Games. Thank you for listening to the Epic Table Games audio show with the paladins of podcasts, Rob and Josh. Until next time, stay in touch on Facebook at Epic Table Games and online at EpicTableGames.com. Epic Table Games.